Welcome everyone to episode 133 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I am your host David Comerford and I'm going to be giving you my reaction to Liverpool's 3-0 win over Leicester City. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So that's seven wins on the bounce for Liverpool now. Courtesy of a Curtis Jones double and an absolute screamer from Trent Alexander-Arnold. It means Liverpool are guaranteed to qualify for the Europa League at least. And failing that, obviously, they'll look to make it into the Champions League with a late turnaround. We'll talk about what this means for the top four race as much as it is a race in the last few games of the season later in the podcast but first let's kind of talk through this game look at how Liverpool performed as a whole who stood out individually um, and then like I say we'll get into what it means in terms of the table so three red match review first of all as per usual I've decided to go with barely broke sweat because if you look at Liverpool's victories this season um, and certainly those kind of massive blowout wins, you know, uh, Bournemouth at home, Man United at home, Leeds away. Those are kind of on their own plane in terms of um, how sort of easy they were, I suppose. But but this is sort of right behind them, I think. Um, and I didn't think I'd be saying that uh, based on how the game started. I thought Liverpool started poorly. Looked like a team who'd had a nine-day break between matches, who'd been to Barcelona... Um, for a short break in between. They looked like the rhythm, the momentum they built up had been somewhat disrupted. Um, and Leicester got the crowd behind them. Looked like they had that sense of urgency that, that you would have expected from them. Liverpool, I thought as well, when they were going forward, really lacked kind of that cohesion, lacked that sort of identity for a bit. And you weren't seeing those sort of rehearsed attacking patterns that you see from a team Um who is kind of sort of elite and, and in form. So it did. It, it left me with a little bit of a bad feeling early on, as in, you know, is this going to be a game that um, stalls, our, stalls our win and run? But no, um, we get a goal um, to break the game open. And it's a near-carbon copy of a goal that Curtis Jones scored against uh, Tottenham um, a couple of weeks ago. Ball to the back post with Jones making the run very similar finish to a perfect pass from Mohamed Salah. And I think it's something that we'll see more often with the system is sort of that left centre midfield player, um, maybe the right side of player too, making that kind of back post run um, really and obviously afforded that extra freedom by having Trent behind them uh, we saw Liverpool get another goal moments after that and it was a goal of the highest quality um, in terms of the pass from Salah again and and the outrageous finish from Curtis Jones um, just, just about onside much like the first one uh, with Diaz obviously earlier in the build up for the first and I think another thing to mention with this goal is how nice the, the turn was from, from Cody Gakpo in the build up sort of a subtle detail but again playing that kind of connector role to perfection from him and Johnny Evans said in his interview after the game that the game was almost decided in that very short period there's Liverpool fans all laying before half time which kind of encapsulates that um, and it, it felt as if Liverpool were in complete control for, for the second half really um, Leicester hardly threatened and it felt like just a question of whether Liverpool could get a third um, it was interesting to hear uh, Dean Smith, the Leicester manager mention 
in his post-match interview that Liverpool were just on another level physically and, and a lot of times this season Liverpool have looked second best to the opposition in that sense so it was refreshing in that way to re-establish our superiority I suppose um, and yeah then that third goal um, which and the end comes from a set piece a routine Liverpool used to score against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in the season they won the league one that they very nearly scored with against Crystal Palace in a, in a draw that could actually prove to be costly I suppose a goalless draw um, but obviously Jordan Henderson ended up getting in the way of that one as, as Klopp kind of alluded to in his post-match interview this time though Trent with an absolutely uh, phenomenal strike and I believe that that is now 9 out of 12 Premier League goals from outside the box and that is certainly one of his very best um, and it was interesting to hear you know, obviously, you know, waxing lyrical about about Trent after the game, um, Jamie Carragher was, but Gary Neville kind of made that point again about his defending, and it made me just sort of think, you know, he is kind of doomed by being English in a way because every single thing he does will be seen by the kind of um, by the media as or seen through the prism of of Reece James, of Kyle Walker, of Kieran Trippier, whereas kind of international players don't have that pressure because we're not really bothered about you know how they figure in, in their national team setups um Trent has that and, and and everything the whole dialogue's dominated by that to the point where we don't necessarily take a moment to appreciate that that is a right back producing a finish like that and that is not just a freak goal that is in his locker he's scored goals like that before um it's like reminds me also of one he's got against Aston Villa behind closed doors uh, he is, uh, you know, an absolute phenomenon, um, and let's not lose sight of that as we have these kind of inane debates, I suppose, over who ranks where and stuff. Um, let's just kind of think about sort of how special uh, Trent is, and, and not let his career be defined by other players, other clubs. Um, we're going to get on it to in a second, then a few of the sort of stars of the show. But before that. Um, please do remember to give us a five-star review if you enjoy Red Zone Restricted. It only takes a second, but it makes a big difference to us. Um, and also remember that you can email us at redzonerestrictedpodcast.gmail.com uh, with any thoughts or questions that you want us to answer on the podcast or address off it. Um, so yeah, the only player that we can start with is Curtis Jones. Um, I had a look at half-time, uh, and the last time a midfielder scored twice, uh, for Liverpool in a single game was Fabinho against uh, Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, however you want to say it, uh, last season in the FA Cup. Um, so you're going back pretty much, uh, pretty much 18 months for that one. Um, before that, it was Jones himself against Lincoln City in another cup game. So it's not necessarily happening in the biggest matches either. So just another continuation, um, I suppose, of Jones's uh, exceptional form lately. Um, Carragher called it the form of his life and you can't dispute that but I just wonder what it looks like for him next season because in a way you know he's, he's putting this run together and he's playing well but I still think Liverpool are going to go out and sign a player who starts in that left side of number eight role and if Jones is in the role next season of second choice to someone like Alexis McAllister for example then I think that is big progress for him and that's going to mean a lot of playing time. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just, um, I suppose, a little unfortunate for him that um, despite this kind of, uh, despite riding this high, um, he'll be brought down a little bit by, by seeing 
um, who Liverpool bring in in the summer transfer window. But that is the competition, I suppose, and um, Klopp with the renewed depth, I suppose, uh, which with uh, Jones' um, resurgence in recent weeks. And in the more short-term future for Jones, that we saw Gareth Southgate watching um, at the King Power tonight, potentially a uh, an England call-up for that sort of June squad. Um, but we'll see about that. Uh, the other player we have to talk about is Mohamed Salah. Um, three assists tonight. One of them granted a, uh, a sort of a, <laughs> a very short pass to uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Almost like that um, assist to uh, from I think Busquets to to Messi um, when he scored that Maisy goal um, in, in the Champions League final. Um, this one just sort of a layoff for Trent to to whip a free kick right into the top corner, but. You know the first two goals are just absolutely outrageous passes, and we could see Salah end this season in the top three for not only um, goals because I think he's one behind Ivan Tony um, from that uh, point of view, but also assists as well, and uh, only Bakayo Saka and Kevin De Bruyne, who have eleven and sixteen respectively, have actually. Um, assisted more goals in the Premier League um, than Salah this season so you know this is a player who was got a golden boot winner and a uh, and a playmaker award winner last season and he's still you know still right up there in both of those charts this year it truly is sort of just greatness personified and, and one of the things I thought about with Salah was and you know one of the big challenges we have in, in, in sort of doing this podcast every week is the most consistent player of the club era the most consistently elite player at the club era how do you find new ways to praise him without just kind of repeating yourself but then on the flip side you know if you just kind of take it for granted then you know you're letting it pass you by a little bit and the thing I'd say now in terms of a, a, a new angle on Salah um, sort of a you have to find limitless ones but pretty much every player who would you would describe as a star or a superstar of of the Jurgen Klopp era at Liverpool has had a drop off at some point. So you know Virgil Van Dijk this season, Fabinho this season, um, Trent for a large part of this season, maybe a couple of years ago as well. Um, even Sadio Mane in in the year behind closed doors. Remember he called that the worst season of his career. All of them have had an off year. Salah hasn't. There have been times where it look it's looked like we're seeing an off year develop. And then he just kind of goes on a, a mad run. Um, and that's what exactly what he's on at the moment. Um, having said that, should have scored in this game. Um, Gakpo plays him through. And we're all just kind of expecting the net to bulge. Literally every single person watching that attack develop is expecting it. And then he just puts it wide and gets it all wrong, really. So he was frustrated about that. And um, I think when he came off as well, he looked a bit... Uh, bit frustrated to it uh, to, to be subbed off without getting his goal but certainly a um still a momentous night for him the first time in his uh premier league career that he's assisted three goals in a game Um so Gakpo obviously the one who created that chance like i say i think he deserves mention too um this was a sort of a game where we saw pretty much the whole second half um with the Liverpool away and chanting, you know, si senor Roberto Firmino's song. Firmino is now into the final couple of weeks of Liverpool career. His game, it provided he's fit, his last Anfield game 
Um, looks like Aston Villa on Saturday. Really hope you can feature in that one, obviously, and then maybe Southampton on the final day too. Um, so yeah, you can understand why the fans are doing that, and it's a challenge for Gakpo. It's a challenge for Nunez. Those kind of players in that number nine position who've come in recently, you know, can they kind of develop the same bond with the supporters that Firmino has? Because you know, we've just we we think so much about you know who's the player who is most universally adored, who's the player fans love most in the club era, and, and everyone struggles with that. But I think the common denominator across most people's answers would be for me you know and you saw that tonight you saw that even with the squad as well so they need to kind of develop that connection but from a sort of footballing standpoint as much as it is gonna sort of really hit us in the chest next week i think you know we've all got this vision of what it might look like for me you know in his last downfield game to have Gakpo there makes it a lot easier to lose him in a way because he is the developing into the perfect air i think he's getting better by the week you know i mentioned earlier that kind of classic false nine contribution in terms of knitting the moves together for that um second liverpool goal it was um and i just find him a joy to watch to be honest i think we were all a little bit kind of um i think there was a there was patience with his slow start but it, it was also a little bit you know we were a little bit underwhelmed i suppose just from the standards that we sort of seen from um, previous signings uh, but obviously Liverpool were struggling so much and and as you know he's got more settled as he's adjusted to this role um, as Liverpool have improved in, in recent weeks he, he's really gone up a level and you're so excited for what he can do next season as well and one point that I'd like to make on him is he was fouled four times tonight and since he um, came to Liverpool I'm not sure if it's actually um, applied tonight at all but he, he's got I think eight players booked which is uh, twice as many as, as any other player in the Liverpool squad and this is a product of him being able to get the ball turned go on a drive and run and he has kind of the the close control the speed that the only way teams are deciding they can stop them is to bring him down and that can be frustrating Obviously, from a Liverpool standpoint, but you know you're landing them in disciplinary trouble. You're creating the set piece situations. I mean, we saw today for that third goal how you know costly they can be when you got Trent Alexander-Arnold on the pitch. Um, so I think it is sort of a, a valuable weapon for Liverpool, um, and it also shows sort of that Gakpo is just too hard to handle. Um, and the last player I want to touch on um, before we talk about the top four race, as promised, is Allison actually, which seems a bit of a strange one because. You know, I mentioned earlier Liverpool in control, Leicester not really creating too much at all over the course of the game. But it was something else from Alisson that I saw tonight that I wanted to talk about, and it, it was kind of his sweeping ability. Um, because a lot of the time you see in sort of situations develop which could be dangerous chances for Leicester, balls in behind that Liverpool high line, but you can't take for granted the value of a goalkeeper who's proactive coming out of his box and sweeping them up. In previous eras with other goalkeepers, you know, David De Gea is the perfect example a lot of the time, is is sort of rooted to his box. Those are big chances, those are goals potentially. But with Alisson, they they just become non-events. But that is just because he is so sort of aggressive and so confident in those situations. Like tonight, four times he, he ran out of his goal and four times he was successful according to Sofa score. So... Um, just sort of a, a sweeping masterclass from him really um, and an illustration of, of the importance of that role even when he doesn't have too many saves to make with, within this uh, Liverpool system 
But yeah, so the top four race, Liverpool, 36 games played. One point behind Man United and Newcastle, who've obviously played a game less. So essentially, um, Liverpool will need Man United to draw twice um, or Newcastle to, as it stands, lose one and draw one. If Newcastle were to draw two of their last three, then it is going to come down to goal difference, which Liverpool incidentally boosted tonight with obviously a three goal win after a couple of I think there was a, a long sequence of one goal wins before this so um it's good to sort of boost that up a little bit um if that is going to be uh, part of the equation and i think when you look at the fixtures and i feel like we're doing this every episode but, but this is just the way the race evolves you know man united have uh bournemouth away they've got chelsea at home and then they've got fulham at home None of those fixtures really inspire too much optimism. I think from Liverpool's standpoint, you know, United are going to have to throw in kind of... They are the, the liable to produce a stinker. We saw that against West Ham. But I think it's better to look at Newcastle. And one of their games is also against Leicester. They're playing them at home. Based on tonight, you think they can't really do much. You know, Newcastle should be comfortable in that game. Obviously, again, you know, they will be fighting for their lives. They do have quality players, but those arguments haven't really got them anywhere recently. Um, the hope is Brighton, who go to uh, St. James's Park on Thursday. Um, we've just seen, as well as we've seen in the space of about a week, how good Brighton can be and how bad they can be. You know, absolutely appalling against Everton. Um, and and they always won, having kept Everton in the league. They now need to, sort of, I suppose, do Liverpool a favour. Um, having already taken what five points off them, um, or four points off them, I should say, um, in the league this season, I think we are owed one by Brighton, um, against Newcastle. I mean, absolutely mesmerising performance from them against Arsenal. You're not going to see many better performances from kind of a team outside the big six than that. Um, you can't really, I can't really recall too many in the sort of one era at all, to be honest. Um, if they can produce sort of close to those levels i think they can definitely do something um you know this is a team as well who could still finish you know Liverpool are guaranteed to be top six they can still finish above liverpool too so maybe we shouldn't get too carried away asking them for them for a favor um but you know if liverpool do their job obviously they'll be uh they'll be fine on that front um and then and then newcastle's other game takes them to Stamford bridge uh to face chelsea um and Frank Lampard's appointment feels like it might actually cost Liverpool because it's almost like with any other manager in there, you feel like they could maybe do something, but they have been so, so abject um, under Lampard that it's hard to be too confident. But I thought uh, Carragher summed it up quite well um, in Monday Night Football when he said um, they do have players who can produce magic, so it could just be, you know, one of those games where it is decided by one of the fantastic players that that, that Chelsea do have, um, and if you're Newcastle, you know you, you've never been in this position before. You know going to Chelsea away on the final day that is still a daunting proposition, regardless of how poor Chelsea have been this season. Um, I think, you know, can they can they potentially do something there? Um, it's so strange because. If you said at the start of the season that Liverpool would need sort of Chelsea 
away Chelsea at home to do them a favour on the final day you'd think oh god that's a great position to be in and now you're like oh god, there's no reason to have any confidence in them at all except for sort of the players that they do have so you basically would be uh, relying on that and also you know we've seen Arsenal basically kind of fold under pressure in, in terms of their inexperience will we see the same from Newcastle who have you know to their credit been outstanding up to this point in the season but Liverpool doing absolutely all they can at the moment to really crank up the pressure on them before they, they you know they face uh, one of the toughest tests in the league so all hope is not lost certainly um with only two games to go for Liverpool three to go for those other teams and uh we, we'll, we'll hold out for a uh a late turnaround which remains unlikely um but still possible very much so yeah um just before we go if you've been watching on youtube please do like the video subscribe to the channel um and whether you're listening on audio or watching on video press the notification button and you'll get a message every time we post a new episode and the next time you'll hear us is after the game against aston villa at the weekend and whatever happens in the top four race uh, between now and the end of the season you'll hear it covered here on red zone restrictor but thanks very much for listening and we will see you next time